0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I'm excited to get into the Word today. I want to talk today about worship, and I know that might come as a shock from the worship pastor that I want to talk about worship, but I've got this opportunity, and that's just something that God has laid on my heart. Um... And, you know, when I talk about worship, we're going to get into a story in just a few minutes in Luke chapter 7 that I love. But before that, I want to lay a little bit of a foundation as it regards to worship, because there's two sides, I feel like, to our worship. There's an inward side, and then there's an outward side. And when I talk about inward, what I mean is there's a life of devotion that we live to God. And it comes from a place deep inside of us. Our obedience to God's word, our commitment to him, it shapes the way that we live our life. Everything that we do, the things that we say, the decisions that we make, the way that we treat others, the people that we surround ourselves with, a lot of times in ways that we probably don't even realize, our love for God and our life of worship, it's shaped by our devotion to him that comes from an inward place. But then it's gotta be... accompanied by an outward expression of worship, kind of like we did this morning in service where we gathered here, and we're just telling God how much we love him, and hopefully we're doing that every day, where there's just moments that we find where we tell God what he means to us, and so there's these two sides. There's an inward side, but there's also an outward side where we express our love to God. I think about it kind of like I do my marriage. Any of you that are in a marriage, there are things that you do for each other because you're devoted to one another. You know, as a husband, there's things that I do around the house, whether it's cutting the grass or fixing something or paying somebody to fix something because I'm not super handy. But, you know, whatever it might look like, doing the laundry, cooking, dinner, there's things that I do for Danielle, but then she also wants to hear it. You know, you husbands know, if it was only just, hey, I do all these things for you, you should know I love you. It's gotta be also accompanied by an expression of love where I'm telling her, where physically I'm expressing my love for her. And it's the same way in our walk with God where there's these two sides to our worship, an inward side and an outward side. I wanna read to you Romans chapter 12, verses 1, and this is going to kind of set us up. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's the title of this message, The Act of Worship. And I'm going to use that word, act, to guide our conversation today. We're going to take that, we're going to make an acronym out of it, and it's going to help us to remember some of the lessons that we learned from this story but if you would turn your bibles luke chapter 7 i'm going to be reading from verse 36 and this is the story of the woman with the alabaster jar of perfume let's read luke 7:36. it says one of the pharisees and later we're going to see that his name is simon so i'm just going to call him that from the jump but he asked jesus to have dinner with him so jesus went to his home and sat down to eat When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. What a beautiful picture of worship. And the first thing I wanna talk about today is access because this woman had special access to Jesus. But the thing that I love about Jesus, the thing you see over and over again, he gave access to everybody, didn't he? You know, usually the more popular, the more famous, the more influential you get, the harder it is for people to have access to you. But it's the exact opposite with Jesus. He welcomed everyone, didn't he? You know, the disciples were trying to keep people from being able to get to Jesus. And he's saying, no, let the little children come to me. Widows, rich people, poor people, religious leaders would come to him in the middle of the night. You know, everybody was able to come and have access to Jesus. But this woman in particular, she's kind of the last person that you would expect to have access because of the setting of this story For one, it takes place at a Pharisee's house. Simon, he invited Jesus for dinner, and I'm sure there were probably some other religious leaders and Pharisees there as well. She wasn't invited, and then the Bible says that she was an immoral woman. Many scholars believe that she was likely a prostitute, but here she is at the feet of Jesus. I don't know if any of you have ever found yourself in a place where you felt like you did not belong. Have anybody found yourself in a place where you felt like you didn't belong? I remember a few years back, me and some friends, we got invited to go to an LSU basketball game. Man, I'm a die-hard LSU fan. I love anything LSU I'm in. Um, and so, we got invited to go to this basketball game, but when we got to the game, somebody else had already been given our tickets. And so, what they did, they said, look, take this lanyard, and there was like a plastic card on it, and they said, you can go anywhere in, this, in, in the arena. Just find some seats and sit there, and nobody's gonna tell you anything as long as you got this card on. And that sounds great, but like my nature, I'm a rule follower. I don't like anything vague. I don't like any ambiguity. Just to, I don't care if the arena's half full and I could go find some seats down in the front. I'm gonna, I'll just sit in the nosebleeds. It doesn't matter to me because I don't want anybody messing with me. I just want to enjoy the game and just, just tell me what you want me to do but we had to go find seats, and of course, the friends that I'm with, they wanted to go and sit in the closest seats on courtside, the press row, because there were some open seats on press row, and I'm like, man, this is great, so the entire, I couldn't even enjoy the game, the entire game, we're up here, and I just know eventually somebody's going to tell us to move, and you know, the ball, we were so close, like the ball bounced to me a couple times, I had to throw it back and bounce, people are texting me, hey, I see you at the game, you know, that's so cool, and I'm just like the whole time I can't even relax, and then the, this guy comes around. and He starts handing us stat sheets because I'm supposed to be a reporter, right? I'm sitting on press row, and so I'm taking the sheets and uh, some really you know newsworthy information here. Thank you, you know I appreciate this. Oh man! And so second half, I thought I was good, you know I thought I was in the clear, and then the president of the university came and sat down in the seat right next to me i was like man you got to be kidding i want to get kicked out by like the the main dude here like the big guy is about to kick me out this place and everybody's going to see it because they're seeing me on tv um but he never said a word to me i just knew he was going to be like hey what publication are you with and i couldn't lie i work at a church don't lie anyway but i work at a church it wouldn't have been good to lie to the man but he never said a word. You know why? Because I had the credentials. I had the permission to be there. And I want to encourage you today. As believers, we have permission. We have the credentials. We have access. It's the blood of Jesus That gives us access to God's presence. Hebrews chapter four says that we can come boldly before God's throne of grace. When God looks at us because of what Jesus has done for us, God, he doesn't see our faults and our failures. He sees a son. He sees a daughter because of the blood of Jesus that covers us. We don't have to have shame or guilt today. We can come to Jesus without any fear or hesitation. Amen. And because God has given us this access, we've got to use it. Wouldn't it be a shame if we didn't use the access that God has given us? I remember my parents, when they got their first cell phone, and this was like a long time ago, man, this is 30 years. I say cell phone, that's using that term uh, kind of loosely. It was a bag phone. Does anybody remember bag phones? It was like a suitcase. And uh, This thing was huge. If you had one, you had the little swirly antenna that came out the back of your car window. And so my parents had this thing, and it was expensive. I knew that because my dad told me over and over again how expensive this phone was. And I'll never forget the first time that they let us stay at home by ourselves. They gave us the number, but they said, don't call this number unless it's an emergency. It's like 50 cents a minute, and this is 30 years ago. So who knows what it would be like now, the cost of this phone. They said, listen, it's an emer, it's only an emergency can you call us? I said, We got it. Well, they've been gone about 30, 45 minutes, and as a kid, that feels like a long time when you've never been at home by yourself. It felt like it qualified as an emergency. So I called them up. And my mom answered the phone, like, hello? You know, like so she just knew something was wrong. And uh, I said, What y'all doing? Where y'all at? She's like, I told you not to call this phone unless it was an emergency. And there was a timer on it. And every time it would get to a minute, that was another 50 cents. And I hear my dad in the background saying, hang up, hang up. (laughs) But how amazing it is, is it that you and I, we have unlimited access to our heavenly father unlimited access we can call him at any time and it doesn't have to be an emergency it can be for anything big or small jesus says to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us how do we access his presence it's through our worship it's through our worship psalms 22:3 3 says that god inhabits the praises of his people when our praise goes up His presence comes down, and it doesn't matter where you might be. If you're in your car going down the road, you can access God's presence. You start worshiping him, he'll invade that space. If you're at home, my wife Danielle, she likes to put her AirPods in while she does stuff around the house, and she'll just be worshiping. God will meet you right there in that space. His access is always available to us. The next thing I want to talk about is cost. You know, this woman, she didn't just bring any offering. She brought the best. It says that she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive, rare perfume. You know, many many scholars believe that this perfume was likely equal to a year's wages for this woman. And you have to understand, in this time, in this culture, They didn't have banks, you know? There wasn't like a a savings account where you could put your money or a safety deposit box where you could put your, your valuables or your treasure. This likely represented everything that this woman had to her name. And what does she do with it? She pours it out lavishly on Jesus's feet. What a beautiful, incredible act of worship. You know, what does that say about her in that moment? It said, Jesus, you're my everything. I don't have anything else but you. I'm not packing a parachute. There's no plan B. All my eggs are in your your basket. God, you are everything to me. And you got to remember, you know, when, when she pours this out, when I think about this offering of worship that this woman gave to Jesus, it challenges me, right? Just how extraordinary it was because I say, if she did that, then man, what is my offering of worship costing me? What does it cost me when I come to worship God? You know, my, my wife, Danielle, we started, when we started dating, my parents went on a cruise, and I was a freshman in college. I was broke, man, didn't have a lot of money, but I wanted to get her something. I wanted to bring her something back, and we were at one of these ports, and this guy was selling fake Rolexes, and so I said, well, man, this would be a fun, a fun thing to get her. I'll get her a Folex, right? And so I bought the watch. I wasn't trying to play it off like it was real. I didn't tell her it was, or I knew it was going to break, and it did. It broke shortly after, but she still liked wearing it. But I gave her this watch and a few weeks after I'd given it to her, she called me up and she said, you know, guess what? I was in a store and I ran into my old boyfriend and he saw the watch that you had given me and he was complimenting me on this Rolex. And I was thinking, this is perfect. You know, I couldn't have drawn this up any better. What a strong flex that her old boyfriend thinks that I got her a Rolex. This is awesome. And then she says, but my little sister felt bad about it and told him that it was fake. I was like, man, are you serious? Like, as good as this was going, it went the exact opposite direction. I didn't want him knowing that I had bought her something that didn't cost me anything. It was an imitation. It was cheap. It wasn't real. And you and I, we can't bring God a fake when it comes to our love, our offering, our worship. We've got to bring him the real thing. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be genuine. Let's be honest. Sometimes as believers, especially if you've known God for a while, we can get used to kind of going through the ritual and the routine, can't we? You know, we can be saying words, we can be singing, we can be speaking and telling God stuff, but is it connected to our heart? Is it authentic? Is it real? And so I want to talk this morning about a few ways that our worship will cost us. But let me tell you up front, anytime you give something to God, anytime you sacrifice something for him, he gives us so much more in return, amen? Amen. First thing I want to mention is our worship is going to cost our attention. Our worship will cost our attention. You know, there's so many things that compete for our attention. First and foremost, we've got this cell phone on us all the time. We can be checking scores, checking social media apps, getting emails from work. There's so many things that are pulling at us. We're in church today. We're thinking about, man, what are we going to do for lunch who's here. There's so many things that pull at our attention. I read a a quote a while back, and it stuck with me. It said that attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. You know, if I'm gonna be a devoted husband, there's gotta be times where my wife has my undivided attention, where we spend time together where I set everything else aside, and it's just me and her, and we're listening to each other. It's the same thing as a dad. If I wanna be a devoted dad, I've got to have times where I spend time with my kids and there's nothing interrupting us. I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to somebody when they were on their phone. It doesn't make you feel very valuable, does it? And in our walk with God, in our relationship with him, in our worship, there's got to be times where we set everything else aside and say, God... This is your time, and my heart is yours. I'm fixing my heart on you. I just want to hear your voice. When we come to church on a Sunday, I encourage you, set everything aside, and let's just engage with him completely in worship. The first thing it's going to cause is our attention. The second thing is our comfort. Our worship is gonna cost our comfort. And listen, I know not everybody is comfortable worshiping. Not everybody's comfortable with everybody hearing your singing voice. Maybe the church you came up in didn't worship like we do at Healing Place. And so you wonder what people think about you if you raise your hands. But the Bible talks about bringing a sacrifice of praise. And a sacrifice will cost us something. And so it might cost you your pride. It might cost you your, your image. It'll cost you your comfort. But God is worth it. Our worship, it's not about us, it's about him. And everything that we do, all of our expressions of worship, they come straight from scripture. I wrote down a few here just to give you a few examples. You know, it's not like a a, a few worship leaders got together in a room a couple hundred years ago and said, well, hey, how should we express our worship? Let's just throw out some ideas. And one guy says, hey, let's raise our hands. That sounds like a great idea. Somebody write that down. It all comes straight from scripture. Let's read a few of these. I'm gonna go through them real fast. Psalms 68, verses 4 and 5. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. Psalms 47, 1. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. Psalms 149, verse 3. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. Now, we don't play the timbrel and harp too much anymore. We play keyboards and guitars, but we're making music unto the Lord. Psalms, Psalms 150. 50, verse five, just in case you weren't sure about the drums. It says, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud, crashing cymbals. And all the drummers said amen. Yeah. First Timothy 2.8, it says, in every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted high to God. And so we're just out here doing the Bible, y'all. That's, that, that's all we're doing. We're just worshiping God in the way that he has given and instructed us to worship Him. And if you notice all of those verses, they weren't suggestions, they were commands. These are ways that God has commanded us to worship Him. And so, honestly, man, we have to sacrifice our comfort in order to bring God an offering of worth and of value. And the last thing I want to mention of how it will cost us is it's going to cost our feelings. Because let's be honest, we don't always feel like worshiping, do we? I mean, we're human beings. We we have different emotions from day to day, and I recognize that. Sometimes we're going to be tired. Sometimes we might be sad. Sometimes you might be sick. There are circumstances in life that sometimes, you know, aren't going our way. Maybe you've experienced loss. Maybe you've experienced financial difficulties and struggles in a relationship, whatever it might be. We have to remember, though, that regardless of our feelings, regardless of our circumstances, the worthiness of God, it never changes. God is always worthy, regardless of what we might be feeling, regardless of what we might be going through. God is always worthy of our praise. Amen. Probably the most powerful example of this that I've been a part of or seen was last year. There's a beautiful family in our church, the Fosters, Derek and Felicia, their daughter Bria, and um, man, I love Derek. If you haven't met Derek, you probably heard Derek, because Derek loves to worship, and I love that about Derek, man. He gets me fired up. But last year, their oldest daughter, Joyful, she was 21 years old and taking a nap after church on Sunday unexpectedly went home to be with Jesus. And I remember being at... service that day for joyful and uh the family had asked us to sing the song blessed assurance and i was singing blessed assurance and we're singing oh what a savior wonderful jesus and we were just repeating that oh what a savior wonderful jesus and i had my eyes closed the whole time i was just trying to focus in that moment and i remember opening my eyes and Derek was right here in this front row And he's already a big guy, but he was standing up and his hands were raised as high as he could possibly raise his hands. He was singing it as passionately as you could sing. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody worship God the way that Derek was worshiping in that moment. And man, it just moved me. It moved me to tears that in that moment, in those circumstances, he was choosing to worship God. There was so much trust, so much faith and belief in God and the sovereignty of God that he was in his hands in that moment. Moment, I'll never forget it. It marked me, and I want to encourage you today. When we can choose to worship God, in those moments, that's where he shows up and meets us. I asked Derek, I said, Derek, can I share this story? He said, man, of course. In that moment, he said, man, I've never experienced such peace and joy. It was supernatural, and when we choose to worship, when it's not comfortable, when we may not feel like it, God always shows up and meets us in that place. I think about Paul and Silas, right? Y'all know the story of Paul and Silas. They're in this prison they had been beaten for sharing the gospel they're locked up in jail they had just been beaten and what do they do the last thing I probably would have done, but they start to worship. They start to sing. And when they do, there's an earthquake. And this earthquake, it breaks the shackles that were on them. It leads to their literal freedom. Their worship led to their freedom. And whatever you might be walking through today in this place, I know there's some difficult circumstances and situations. I want to encourage you, when you choose to worship God through your feelings, through your circumstances, God always shows up. And that's when we experience breakthrough. And I'm not saying to not, acknowledge your feelings i'm not saying that you uh that you don't you know uh, uh, you know give heedance to what might be going on in your life but we don't have to be a, a slave to those things we don't have to be a slave to it when we worship god and exalt him above our problems above our situations it changes our perspective and even if our circumstances don't change our perspective does amen Let's keep reading. One more point we want to get to today. Verse 39, it says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. So when when Simon, uh, who had invited Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner And then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them, both canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for who he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Basically, Jesus is saying, listen, the more that you've been forgiven, the more that you're going to love. Verse 44, it says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. In the English Standard Version, he says, Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see her? I love that Jesus, he sees beyond our faults and our failures. He's trying to get Simon to see, hey, she's not just the things that she's done. She's a daughter. She has worth. She has value. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The last thing I want to talk about is being thankful because this woman, she knew what she received from Jesus. She had a heart of gratitude. She had a heart of thankfulness she knew what Jesus had set her free from. And really, there's two reasons why we worship God, church. Two reasons. The first reason is because of who he is. We worship God. Whether he does anything for us, we worship him for who he is because he's good, because he's just, because he's faithful, because he's loving, because he's kind, because he's merciful. He's holy. He's set apart. He's more than we can ever imagine. And so we worship God for who he is. But then we also worship him for what he has done for us, this God who is more than we could ever imagine, he came to this earth, he humbled himself, he became a man, he became like you and me, and he died on a cross to save us, to heal us, to forgive us, and redeem us, and we worship him for that. We've got to hold tightly and closely to the things that God has done for us. And I want you to remember this statement today. Carry this with you. Our expression of worship is shaped by our experience. Our expression of worship, it must be shaped by our experience. What I mean by that is the things that God has done for us, we've got to worship him from that place. It shapes the way that we love him and that we worship him, the things that he's brought us out of. This woman had an extraordinary act of worship because she received extraordinary extraordinary forgiveness amen that's why we got to be careful not to judge someone else's expression of worship because we don't know what God has brought them through we don't know their story we don't know because they might worship a little bit differently than we do we don't know their background we don't know what Jesus has done for them And so we've gotta give grace to everyone's expression of worship. And the truth is, all of us need forgiveness. In this passage, Jesus said, neither one could repay the one that owed 500, the one that owed 50. Neither one could repay. Because my story, I don't have some wild and crazy testimony. I've been raised in church my entire life. And that's not a bad testimony in itself. But I've got amazing parents. They raised me the right way. I've always kind of been on the straight and narrow But my righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. My best effort at holiness falls so short of God's standard. And so I am in desperate need of a savior. I need Jesus, and my expression of worship has to reflect that. When I come into this place on a Sunday, I remind myself, because I do this a lot, you know, it's my job, I have many services every single Sunday. But I always remind myself before I take the stage, God, What, Doug, remember what God has done for you. Worship him from that place. If you need some juice, something to hang on to, remember that. Remember how faithful God has been in your life. And I've got one question for you guys today as as we finish. You know, there's two characters in this story. There's Simon, and then there's this woman at Jesus's feet. And we can identify with one of these people we can associate with one of them. And I just want to ask you today, which one do you want to be? Who do you want to be? There's Simon. He's in the corner. He's kind of disconnected. He's distant. He's observing instead of engaging. He's spectating instead of participating. Probably a little bit prideful. Probably some self-righteousness. Feeling like he's justified. Knows a lot about the Bible. He's a religious leader. But when the son of God is in his living room, he missed it, didn't he? And then you have this woman at Jesus's feet. She's broken. She's humble. She's not perfect, but man, she's pouring everything that she has out on Jesus's feet. And my heart is that we would be a church that would worship at the feet of Jesus, giving Him everything that we have. Amen. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church.